Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, May 12th. Coming up, how the COVID-19 pandemic showed one Kansas City elementary school the benefits of year-round schooling. If we're not meeting the needs of not only the kids, but their parents, then we're going to struggle with the academic part of it. Plus, Kansas foster parents say the lawyers assigned to advocate for children rarely meet the kids they represent, but the lawyers say they're overworked. There is not a backup plan if they feel like they have too many cases. But first, some headlines. Kansas Democratic Governor Laura Kelly signed legislation yesterday to phase out the state sales tax on groceries. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports. Governor Kelly wanted to eliminate the 6.5% grocery tax in Kansas by July 1st, but Republicans in the legislature wanted to go slower. So the compromise measure reduces the tax to 4% next year, 2% the year after that, and finally to zero by January 1st of 2025. Kelly says any reduction in what is now the nation's second highest tax on groceries will help Kansas consumers hit hard by inflation. Eliminating the state sales tax on food is a tax cut that helps every Kansas family. And I know people can really use it right now. When fully implemented, Kelly says the tax cut will save the average Kansas family up to $500 a year. The cost of state revenues will be about $500 million a year. Advocates for local LGBTQ communities were shocked yesterday to learn a beloved organization was closing its doors. More from KCUR's Laura Ziegler. The Kansas City Anti-Violence Project announced on its Facebook page that it was closing immediately due to unforeseen financial constraints. T.J. Burton with the Kansas City Center for Inclusion says the anti-LGBT rhetoric and legislation has increased demand for support services and put a strain on advocacy organizations. He says the loss of KCAVP will create a big void. It's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. There are very few places that queer people have to go. KCAVP was not available for comment. The organization had a drop-in center offering a variety of resources, including a 24-hour hotline and a program called Passages for LGBT youth. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas wants to break from tradition and become the next president of the Board of Police Commissioners. Mayors have not traditionally served as president of the board because of time constraints. Instead, the other four commissioners rotate as president. But Lucas wants that to change. He says having the mayor serve as board president would help break down some of the walls between City Hall and the police department. I don't know what's actually more important as a use of my time than saving lives on the streets of Kansas City. And that's why I think it's very important that we change what has become kind of an informal tradition. The commissioners will vote for a new leader next year. The last mayor to serve as president of the board was Emmanuel Cleaver, who only filled the role temporarily. While most students are gearing up for summer break, kids at one Kansas City elementary school will be getting ready to head back to the classroom. KCUR's Jody Fortino tells us how officials at Gordon Parks Elementary School hope a year-long academic calendar will address COVID-19 learning and emotional losses. A trip to the beach, a day at the pool, an outing to an amusement park. That's what you'd expect to be on any kid's list of activities they're looking forward to on summer break. 
But Crescentia Palacio says her children are looking forward to spending more time in the classroom and less time piled into her car as she runs her own roofing business. My boy, my eight-year-old son, he, he goes, at least I don't have to sweat in the car. <laughs> at least I could go and be with my friends in school and learn. Palacios has three children who attend Gordon Parks Elementary School in Kansas City. Starting in June, the charter school will add 31 days of school to its calendar, enabling students to attend class year-round. Palacios said the updated schedule will make it easier to support her family without worrying about childcare during summer break. Throughout the summer, they don't do anything but get in trouble in the house and break things. While they're in school, instead their brains are working. Over the summer, students are thought to lose some of the learning gained over the year, a phenomenon called the summer slide. Kent Yoakum, principal of Gordon Parks, says year-round schooling could fill that summer gap and help students catch up on learning loss during the COVID-19 pandemic. We won't have to spend the time of that first month of school relearning the processes of school because it will just be a couple weeks. We also won't have to spend that time relearning the things that were lost over summer. Administrators say the COVID-19 pandemic underscored the need to support students all year long beyond academics. Many of the school's students live in higher poverty areas, face housing insecurity, and experience trauma. Yoakum says students aren't just learning at Gordon Parks Elementary. They also have access to therapists, family advocates, free meals, and a family emergency fund. And they need those things all year long. If we're not meeting the needs of not only the kids but their parents, then we're going to struggle with the academic part of it. Yoakum spearheaded the schedule change at Gordon Parks, inspired by his earlier work with two elementary schools in the North Kansas City District, Wynwood and Crestview. Wynwood Elementary Principal Leah Copeland says since her school moved to a year-long schedule in 2015, she's seen improvements in student achievement and emotional growth. She also says the new schedule gives students additional time to catch up on learning loss during the pandemic. So we've put a lot of interventions in place that we're able to do 12 months of the year because of the fact that our calendar works in that way. David Hornack, executive director of the National Association for Year-Round Education, says the pandemic has sparked more interest in the model as school officials seek to address COVID learning loss. Still, Hornack says there's not a tremendous increase in schools actually moving to this model. We as adults continue to say we want a long summer intermission so our kids can play outside and they can have the same summers that we had in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Meanwhile, Yoakum says his staff and students will still be getting a break. It will just be shorter and spread out over the year. Plus, he says the school is looking at offering experiences to kids that they normally wouldn't get like trips to the pool, park, or experiential learning. If they had more of those opportunities in their neighborhoods with swimming pools that were actually going to be open or close by, if they had libraries that were easy to access, then it may be a little bit different situation. Kirsten LaPerry Brayman, CEO of Gordon Parks, says the new learning model was made possible by COVID relief funding, which will help pay for additional transportation and the extra hours teachers will be working. She says some teachers were initially divided about the schedule, but all have since decided to return for the school year. They are phenomenal, committed teachers who they see, yes, this is going to kind of run a crimp in what I had going on in June, but man, this is really in the best interest of our kids, and so they are embracing it. LaPerry Brayman says the school board plans to embrace the new schedule even when COVID dollars run out, because if it's working for their kids, she says they'll continue it for as long as they can. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Jody Fortino.
foster children can't represent themselves in court in Kansas. The state appoints an attorney on their behalf, but foster parents complain those attorneys are not doing their jobs properly. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports some of the lawyers rarely meet the children they represent. Carl Ingram and her husband took in their grandchildren through the Kansas foster care system. The case was messy. The Ingrams thought the state failed to properly investigate complaints they held about their grandchildren's safety. But one of their major concerns... We immediately ruffled the feathers of this egomaniac guardian ad litem. A guardian ad litem is a lawyer appointed for the best interests of a child. These lawyers should talk to families, to foster parents, read the conclusions of state investigators, and make a case to the judge whether the child belongs with the biological parents. The Ingrams said that did not happen in the case of their grandchildren. And the children never met him again. He never contacted their school. He never contacted their therapist. The attorney eventually filed a motion to reunite the children with their parents. But Ingram says putting her grandchildren with their parents put them in danger. Court documents supported the Ingram's concern and said one child was afraid she might be hurt. The children were reunited with their parents anyway. He retaliated against people who questioned him when he hasn't done his job. That he, he retaliated. He retaliated against the people who advocated for the children the most, who protected the children the most. I talked with seven people who said time and again that the lawyers are not doing their jobs. So yeah, we have had no contact up to this point. A considerable amount of negative feedback from the not, He never came to our house. And but there's no documentation that anything's being done. I just want to say this guy failed, a big fat failure. More than anything, they say children rarely met the person who represented them in court. One parent watched as an attorney didn't know if they represented a boy or a girl. These parents wonder, how could someone who rarely met the child know what is best for them? But the work is difficult, it's sensitive, and the people who handle it find themselves buried in cases, struggling to keep up. But for them to be able to get the level of visitation with each individual child, it would require more hours than are available in a day. That is Grant Brazil. He's a family attorney who often works alongside the court-appointed lawyers. He says the attorneys are underpaid and overworked, that they want to meet the children they represent, but the caseloads are too big. It could be done, but it'd be hard. It would require a Herculean superhuman effort. Brazil says the attorney should max out around 60 cases, but some represent hundreds of children. Danielle Packer represents children in Douglas County. She has 66 cases. The cases can be as complex as helping child trafficking victims, though those are rare. Oftentimes with substance abuse, specifically methamphetamine usage by a parent. That can compound into other issues. Housing, now we're having an issue about food security. We call it truancy, but children who aren't um, um, who are missing more school than legally allowed. Contracts to become a court-appointed attorney are designed to be part-time. In Johnson County, some positions are supposed to take 10 hours a week, yet those people average around 22 cases at one time. Simple cases could take around 30 minutes. Difficult cases could take multiple hours a week, and these are typically cases attorneys take on in addition to their other practice. It's rare to find lawyers who tackle this sensitive work full-time. Packer says the pay and stress could deter people from ever trying. Childcare cases are complex, making years of experience in the field critical. Packer says she and her co-workers try their best, but they need more support. Even with those struggles, she still loves her work. For me personally, um, working in the child need of care realm, specifically as a guardian at litem, is the most rewarding area of my practice. 
Requirements for court-appointed attorneys could change. Lawmakers want to introduce a bill that creates stricter standards. For starters, logging when they actually talk to the child. State law requires they do that now, but lawmakers say it is not enforced. That would address parents' concerns, but do little to address heavy caseloads. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Blaze Mesa in Topeka. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jody's story about year-round school and Blaze's story about Guardians ad litem, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.